You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For, 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 all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us, and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and producer, Nick Schwartz. Guys, how are we feeling on this Red Friday? Cody, I know our viewers can't see, but you're in a new location. You've got a nice bookshelf behind you. Do I, I could spy, have read any of those. Do I spice categories? Uh, you you do, which is easily one of the best board games. Just if we're if we're ranking them to start the show, Scategories is a completely underrated board game. Um, but you know, I uh normally and we have plans to eventually show video of the entire show for people. Yes, but, but eventually, I had been doing it in my dining room because there was a cricket who was living in my basement. Who I couldn't kill, and it was like hiding under the furnace, never to be gotten. But I got it. It's no longer living. So now I get to come back down to the basement. So problem solved. I get now I can have these books behind me. They make me, I don't know. It's better than like the random window blind. So it's got to be an improvement. Are you taking a victory lap uh, after killing a cricket who was beating you for two months? Uh, yeah, look, that's honestly it just feels good to get. It's like uh, it's like when you're 0 and 10 and you get a win. You're like, thank God we just couldn't go winless on the season, which is what it was starting to feel like in relations to the cricket. So no, it feels, feels nice to actually have a, a space that doesn't look like Nick's empty vacuum. Okay. <laughs> Let's not hurl insults at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a minimalist approach here. Um, like, almost to the teeth. There's nothing. There's literally nothing on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> Nick thought I was in a new location. I, li- I literally just changed which side of the table I was sitting on, but new backgrounds for us all. I guess so. Yeah. And like now we get to look at your kitchen. How often do you use it, Kayla? Are you are you a good chef? Um, I'm getting better. Okay. I actually enjoy cooking. I just it's a lot of food for one person and then I eat it yeah. once or twice and then it just goes to waste. You gotta ask Nick. He's the king of eating leftovers. It's easy for me. I like to cook too, but there are four people eating it. Zero Nick, waste in this house. Nick will make braised beef. With Brock, and he will eat it six consecutive days until it's gone. I can't do that. I don't eat it six days, but maybe two or three. Maybe like maybe like four or five consecutive meals. I'll do that, and it's you know it's it's not great near the end. You know, I'm not (laughs) not loving having the same meal for five straight meals. But you know what? It's efficient. Well, at least you're not wasting food like some of us here. All right, promise we're going to talk about football. Why don't we get to it? We've got a big game coming up Sunday night football prime time with the Titans guys. First things first. Why has Andy Reid struggled versus the Titans really quick? The chiefs are two and five versus the Titans since 2013. They took the L last season, 27 to three ouch. Mahomes is one and two against the Titans as a starter. However, a stat I have that I like going for us is as we know, chiefs kingdom, Andy Reid off a of bye is 20 and three in his career and seven and two in KC. So I like that going into the weekend, but what is the hangup with the Titans? Seven and two. What's funny about that is that's probably pretty close to Andy Reid's regular winning percentage. So here we've probably overblown the bye week a little bit. Andy Reid wins 70% of his games owned under almost any circumstance. 
So seven and two after the bye is like Andy in normal circumstances. <laughs> I think it's a bigger thing that we're fighting, which is the Titans own the Chiefs. I don't think people want to hear this, but they do. Patrick Mahomes had one glorious run in an AFC title game that eventually propelled them to the Super Bowl. And if it weren't for that, you'd hate this team. Marcus Mariota once completed a pass to himself to beat them in a playoff game. They kicked their ass last year. They kicked their ass the year before that. They have consistently, they're the only team who consistently threatens their supremacy for the number one seed over the last five years. It's weird. It's a weird team. And it's not just the Titans. It's the entire AFC South. And I, I really did try to think about it. Like, what is it? What is the one thing I could boil it down to? And I've decided it's because the AFC, AFC South sucks ass and Andy just decides he can grind out wins. He's like, I'll just beat the Colts by like three. I don't, I don't care. I'll just beat the Titans by like three. It's fine. He sees bad quarterbacks, mediocre defenses, run heavy first teams, and he thinks here's my chance to grind out a win. Because other than that, I can't explain it. Well, at first I wanted to say maybe there's just some sort of tactical advantage that you know Mike Vrabel has found against the Chiefs or against this offense, but Vrabel's only been there since 2018. So of those five losses, I mean, that's still three of them, right? Uh, but I don't, I don't know because their teams have changed so much. It's not as though they've had Derrick Henry for all of those. It's not as though... They've had a great defense for all of those. I know you hate it when I do this, Cody, but part of me just says, you know what? There's not a deeper story here. It's just bad luck that the Chiefs have happened to play in the first games against the Titans. Maybe, I mean, if you're looking for one common thread, it's that for basically all of those teams, the Chiefs defense was no good. And, and well, you know why, Nick? Because run first teams are good up front, physical up front. What would we pretty much say has been the Chiefs' weakness? Yeah. The entire time Andy Reid's been here. Yeah, They're not a big physical team. They don't get physical, you know, like they aren't that. It's not just the defensive line. It's that they're not maulers. That's never been what they are. So when they go against these teams that have Jonathan Taylor or have Derrick Henry and have no choice but to run, they're like, this is who we are. And I think that there is something because like this year, this year in particular, it's concerning because it seemed like what's happened is over the last three years, every defense in the NFL has prepared itself to stop passing offenses. And there's a few teams with rushing offenses thriving because everyone else is built different than that. Yeah. And even before Derrick Henry, even with uh, who was the coach before uh, Mike Malarkey, I believe yeah. it was um, even going back to like the DeMarco Murray years, this was a team that always ran the ball and when you think about that style of play, right? We want to run the ball. We don't we want long drives. We want to control the time of possession. That runs you know, counterintuitive to what style of game Andy Reid wants. It's these two conflicting styles, these two conflicting paces where for whatever reason Andy's lost more often than he has, but I'll be honest with you Kayla, I like the I liked some of the stats you gave at the end of your question. Uh, the stuff about Andy Reid after a bye. To me, that is more useful heading into this game than mm -hmm. a six-game sample size or a seven-game sample size, whatever it is, uh, of Andy Reid's time against Tennessee. I, I would take the 23-game sample size that says he's really good coming off a bye. And that didn't happen last year when we played the Titans. Let it be known. And also, Patrick Mahomes was quoted this week saying, last year we weren't ready and they beat our ass. Well, and like, no, Kayla, you saying that and the way you entered it, like, big game, right? 
two five and two teams, the two and the three seed right now in the AFC, a team that has beaten you and Patrick Mahomes knows it. Sunday night football. Where's the buzz? None. It doesn't exist. I don't. It's got to be because Ryan Tannehill is the most milk toast quarterback imaginable. <laughs> like you just can't fathom getting yourself hyped up for like, all right, Mahomes hand. And you're like, Allen, Burrow, Brady, Rogers. And you're like, Tannehill. And you're like, oh, my God, I just there's just no juice there. And it might be Malik Willis. Now, he's practiced, so it's probably going to be Tannehill. But I, I really do think that it's got to be the quarterback, right? What other explanation would there be? Like you said. They beat the like Mahomes said they beat our ass and he sounded mad about it. Like, it's not just that he said it. It's the way he said it that stood out to me. This is a big game. Like if you like we talked about the Bills might beat you out for the one seed anyway, but they could get tripped up. Things could happen. You don't want to have to go three consecutive or two consecutive road games or, you know, anything like that. And the Titans, if they beat you, will have a one game lead and the tiebreaker on you again. The same team that beat you for the number one seed last year. I don't really feel like this is the time to have your off game. Well, and I think the other thing you have to look at with the, the lack of buzz is it's not. It's less of a lack of buzz about this game and more attributed to a lack of buzz around the Titans. Because they started to oh and two. They lost to the Giants in week one, got killed by the Bills in week two. And their five wins, two have come against the Colts, one against the Commanders, one against the Texans and one against the Raiders. This is not a team that anybody, I think, really around the league is looking at and saying, ooh, watch out for them. They're playing really good football. I think they're just playing a bunch of bad teams. And I don't think they're a bottom feeder, but look at Vegas. They have the Chiefs to 12 and a half point favorites. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Like, not I know. Just, like, 12 and a half points wild, right? The big Based line. on what we just opened with, that's a big number to me. If, yeah, I know. And, and that, to me, just tells you that Vegas doesn't look at Tennessee as a team that's as good as their record indicates. Love that. All right, we're going to move on because the Chiefs are moving away from Sky as the exclusive returner. They say he'll still be a part of the rotation. The punt return rotation will be McColl, Sky, and maybe Tony. We're okay with this, yes? <laughs> I mean, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. Nick, it seems like good move. happy. Good move. Why wouldn't, I mean, I don't, how many episodes ago? Someone could probably track this for us when I came on here and I said, please, never again, stop letting Sky Moore return punts. Whenever that was, uh, I meant it. And that mood hasn't changed. And just as long as Sky Moore is strong enough to not let this ruin his confidence. And by the way, the players who this does ruin the confidence and they're lesser players in the NFL don't end up being good NFL players anyway. So not worried about that part of it. This is good news all around. Sky Moore, and they tried. He'd never returned punts. They tried. It didn't work. He's not good at it. So they're willing to move off of it, which means Sky Moore gets to now focus on the thing he should be, getting better at wide receiver, mattering in the offense, and finding spots to use him in the regular offense. For this week, it's probably going to be some combination of McColl and Sky and Tony because it's early in the process. But by week 18, we assume that Sky will mostly be out of this. And that's good for him and for the Chiefs. He doesn't need to do a job. Like, dude, being fired would seem like it would wreck your confidence less than every time he tries to field a punt and it goes the way it does. Yeah, I think it was after the Bills game, if I have my games right, where he, he muffed the punt. And we kind of came on here and talked about how you drafted this guy to be a receiver. 
And I don't fault the coaching staff for using special teams as a way to get him more involved. And who knows exactly what the reasoning behind that was. Was it because you wanted to bring him along slower in the offense or was it because that he needed to be brought along slower? Is it that he's that much farther behind Juju and MVS and Nicole to the point where this is the only way we have to get him on the field and we still believe there's talent in there. We just don't think he's ready to, to contribute in this offense. We're going to find out, right? We're going to find out what they really think of Sky because if taking him off of punt returns means that we don't see him at all on Sundays, I think that will be a, a pretty glaring indication that they just don't think he's ready to contribute for this team right now. You know why that would stand out, Nick? Is because Andy Reid on Monday said that he realized they weren't getting Pacheco the ball more and instead chose to start him in an effort to make sure he would at least get some touches. He didn't get way more, right? He only got eight. It's not like he was the lead back by himself, the only guy doing it. But they started him to make sure he got the ball. And that's the thing they always say about Sky. Like, oh, no, we intended to get him the ball more. You know, he was a bigger part of the game plan. But defenses, they just make us do things, which never makes any sense with a guy like Sky. No defense that the other team shows you. Stop Sky more from being a part of it. That's not the way they're lining up against you. But if you're willing to move around your entire running back rotation and effectively lessen the role at least a little bit of your former first round running back, then you should probably, if you trust Sky, be willing to find him more chances in the passing game. Kayla, I feel like to me, it's it's that. And I, I don't know. I still think that there's a role for him. I'm not writing him off. And I think this would be a, if you hate it, or if you didn't think, if you hated this guy more pick and you didn't think it was going to work, and Nick and I both wanted George Pickens, but that doesn't have anything to do with him right now in the offense. It's just, if you want to write off Sky more, this is the moment Chiefs fans are going to do it. But I don't think this has anything to do with him as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, if he's being taken off the return and then you add in Tony to the wide receiver mix, I don't feel like we're going to see him much at all. He only has six catches this year. So, I mean, and now Tony's in there. So it's like we asked the question earlier in the week. It was on our show. It was just like, who do you think has a bigger impact for the rest of your sky more Tony? And I was like, Tony, you're going to give me kick and punt return. Tony, he's way more likely to, to touch the ball in a big situation unless something changes. Now, here's one stat that'll make you feel better. If you look at just like a simple line graph of every rookie wide receiver Andy Reid's ever had, he hasn't had a single one whose production doesn't increase in the second half. So you can assume he'll have more than after the bye week. Sorry, is the way I should probably put it. But so we should see some increase for Sky. But I mean, how much can that really be? It's not going to go from six to 30 catches in the second half. That's just not realistic. No, and I think the other part of it is that you look at McColl, who's playing more snaps. He's running more routes than Sky is. And this is a guy who was the old Sky more. Now, he was playing way more even from day one than Sky was. But to an extent, we were still talking about McColl every year. Like, when are we going to see him more involved in the offense? When is he going to you know, pass to Marcus Robinson or Byron Pringle on the depth chart? And it never happened. But even this year, he's still getting more run than Sky is. So the guy who Andy Reid used to not trust, he now trusts more than he does this rookie. So I'm not, I'm not even close to writing off sky long-term. I think a lot of this is like you said, Cody, which is that it's a tough playbook to learn. 
And rookie receivers typically don't play under Andy Reid. I mean, even going back to his time in Philadelphia, the only time when any rookie receivers played was right after the Super Bowl when they had to kind of like reset and they drafted Deshaun Jackson in the second round. Then the next year, they drafted Jeremy Macklin in the first round. They had nobody else on the roster. It was like Todd Pinkston. So like they had to play these young guys. But in 23 years of, of data suggests that Andy really takes his time with rookie wideouts. Well, it, it can help that this is the deepest they have been at wide receiver. Not the best because Tyree Kill's not here, but the deepest. He has to compete legitimately with five people before he can touch the ball. Every running, let's just lump the running backs into a group as five. Then we know that after, then we know the four wide receivers who are Kelsey and the three wide receivers that are getting more time. McCole, MVS, Juju, plus Travis Kelsey. And that's before we even mention the fact that Noah Gray plays twice as much as he does. So, I mean, he's got almost as much, or Jody Fortson's had almost as much chance to get the ball this year as Sky does. Well, we got our answer in terms of Sky being the exclusive returner. If you're not an accountant, you shouldn't do people's accounting. That's right. That is a reference for, it's a reference for OG listeners, if you, if you didn't know. All right. Well, Cody, you kind of alluded to it um, in terms of Chiefs players having better second halves of the season. Which player has the most to play for in the second half of the season, do you guys think? I mean, it, Orlando Brown Jr.? It, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't other answers, but him, right? I mean, he's played mediocre and is trying to get a giant truck full of money. And I think in order to prove other teams, because I don't think that extension's coming from Kansas City anymore, in order to prove that other teams both are, because I think there's a chance they would franchise tag Orlando Brown Jr. again. So a team is going to have to be willing to trade for Orlando Brown Jr., give up draft assets, and then pay him a bunch of money. If he doesn't want to play under the franchise tag for a second year in Kansas City, he has to play so much better. He has a ton to play for. And it matters a lot for the team's success. But I think it's I think it's Orlando Brown Jr. I'm not saying there aren't other guys because they have other pending free agents. But Orlando Brown Jr. has a lot to play for. Okay, so that's not the answer I was expecting you to give. So, Kayla, I want to hear... I thought there was an obvious answer, and I want to know if you have the same answer as me. I'm going James Winchester. <laughs> All right, well, on the same page. He just got a contract this situation. <laughs> Who the hell is he trying to prove? <laughs> That's obviously a joke. Um, obviously, I'm going Juju. You know how I feel about our wide receivers. Um, I would love to see him get a contract extension. I think he can really prove himself in the second half of the season. He's, you know, slow. It's been a slow climb, but we're finally seeing some good production from him. And I am hopeful that. He is with us in the years to come. The reason why I don't think it can be Orlando Brown Jr. is because as far as the Chiefs are concerned, I don't think there's anything he can do in the second half of the season that's going to get a contract extension in Kansas City. Maybe he's playing for a lot personally for himself to go get yes. a big deal somewhere else, but I don't think he's getting that extension in Kansas City. And the only reason I didn't have Juju as my top answer is because I think Juju is going to be highly sought after no matter what. Like it's the exact opposite of Orlando Brown. You know, I think the chiefs already would, they would resign him today if they could, but he knows the market. Take it, yeah. Market's so thin. So what's his impetus to do something mid season when he knows he can get a massive deal in the off season. To me, the answer is Chris Jones, which may sound weird for a guy who is playing so well that everybody in Kansas city knows they want to keep around beyond this season. But there are basically two options this off season for Chris Jones is 
you restructure your deal, get a massive contract extension, or the Chiefs trade you, right? Those are really the two options. You're not going to release him to save the cap room, but you have to make a decision with Chris Jones, and you know you want him here. The question is going to be, what is the dollar amount? He is 29 years old. We, we've kind of seen with, with Tyreek Hill that the Chiefs that, and, and Tyron Matthew, that's sort of the age where maybe they're comfortable moving on from a guy, even if they think he has something left in the tank. But he's a difference maker on defense, and I think the Chiefs have a really difficult decision to make this offseason. But if he, if he continues to be this dominant, you kind of force their hand, don't you? I think he's already forced their hand. You mm-hmm. can't walk away from Chris Jones. What the hell is your pass rush without him? Mm-hmm. I mean, legitimately, you... Look, if George Karloftis had eight sacks right now and he looked like Micah Parsons, maybe you can make an argument. Maybe you can make an argument for trading Chris Jones to a different team in the NFC and letting him dominate for them and taking a top 15 pick, which you could probably get for Chris Jones from an NFC team, and you could make him their problem to pay. But, man, similar to what I don't want to see what an offense without Travis Kelsey looks like, I do not want to see what this defense looks like without Chris Jones right now. You have to buy yourself more time to be good. I know, look, I I am very firm. I I would be pretty firm in this stance if I were a GM. There is almost no players you should give a third contract to in the NFL unless that player is Hall of Fame caliber. That's really it. That's that's my line. If you're a Hall of Fame caliber player, you can have a third contract with me. Patrick Mahomes, congratulations. You can have a third contract with me. And for Travis Kelsey, you can have a third contract with me. Chris Jones is playing better than Aaron Donald this year. I don't know that he'll ever get in the Hall of Fame, but I can tell you he'll show up on a ballot. And if you show up on a ballot, that'll show how long and for how well you played. Like, those are the guys you give third contracts to. Every other player, so be it. Move on. Doesn't matter. But if they three contract guys are guys like Chris Jones to me. I got a question for you guys. You mentioned Aaron Donald, who is, you know, the premier interior defensive lineman <laughs> in NFL history. What do you guys think is the age difference between Aaron Donald and Chris Jones? Ooh. Uh, I, well, Chris Jones is 29. Aaron Donald's, I'm guessing, 31? No. I don't know. It's kind of, but I know he was, like, thinking about retiring after last season. I'm like, wait, he feels too young to retire. Um, five years? Seven? It's- Okay, that's a big, it's three years. Chris Jones is 28. Aaron Donald is 31. Oh, I got Chris Jones age wrong. I got Aaron Donald age right. So so what is weird to me is I didn't, I thought, I figured Aaron Donald was around the same age as Chris Jones. I think I was playing him younger. I was playing Chris Jones older. And so I'm starting to think, okay, well, can you give a contract to a guy of that age? Well, the Rams did. And I don't think they regret it. Nope. They seem, actually, they seem very fine with it, Nick. I'm not going to lie. They seem like, they might give him a fourth contract. Well, that's like, the is, is the Chiefs, it's, are you going to make a guy the highest paid player at his position twice? You already did it once. You gave him an $80 million deal, $60 million guaranteed. His cap hit is $27 million next year. You, you're not going into next season with just letting him play out the final year in his contract. That wouldn't no. make any sense. You're either restructuring it or seeing what you can get for him. Or if you restructure it, though, I mean, that, that takes care of the, the, the uh, Orlando Brown Jr. situation. I wonder, can you afford to restructure his deal and give Juju a massive contract extension? Um, hmm. Maybe. I think you can afford two, Nick, but it, it cuts out Orlando Brown. This is the good news about Orlando Brown stinking is 
you might have talked yourself into, boy, we need that left tackle instead of Chris Jones. And you're like, no, if I'm paying someone $24 million a year, it's Chris Jones. And if I, if that means I, even if that means I can't pay Juju, okay. Like, I mean, I'd like to, but okay. Juju is a wide receiver who is available on the market for one year and $10 million. You try to find Chris Jones on the market at that price anywhere. It's not possible. Yeah. At least it was plausible once at wide receiver. It might be plausible one day again in the future. Dominant interior defensive linemen aren't ever available on the market for cheap. Cody, have you ever thought about being a GM? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and got a lot of contracts over there. No, even in, even in young days, I don't think so. I like to play GM, though, on the radio. Yeah, earlier this that. week, you said you were smarter than Major League Baseball managers. That's all, <laughs> all I said is that I, well, I said I had an advantage, though. I was watching what was happening in real time, and they were trying to figure it out from the bench. It's much harder for them on that that day but they were wrong and i was they should just go to the clubhouse and manage the game not allowed to do that nick there's a rule against that (laughs) many rules remember when ned got in trouble for having an apple watch on the sideline and then oh i don't know the astros cheated a bunch they're trying to prevent that yeah probably good call all right well guys a name we didn't mention that i was expecting to hear is trent mcduffie who is finally making his return this weekend what should our expectations be with him? By the way, he has not played since suffering that hamstring injury in week one against Arizona. Nick, go first, because I know I'm too bullish. So you should probably calm the waters before I dive in. <laughs> don't be a liability. That's for this week, for just one game, don't be a liability. The Titans don't have anybody on the outside that scares you. So for a guy who has played not even two quarters of NFL football, that's all I'm asking of you. I don't need you to go out and look like a star. It's tough to do with that position anyway, unless you are Derek Stingley or Sauce Gardner. Rookie cornerbacks don't usually enter the league and immediately establish themselves at, as premier players at that position. And, and going back to even like training camp, it's not as though he was lighting the world on fire and turning heads and had everybody saying, wow, this kid's going to be an absolute stud. He's like most rookie cornerbacks. It's going to take him a minute. So I don't really have any expectations. Therefore, all I'm asking you to do is not suck. Don't be a liability. There are two other rookie cornerbacks. One was selected in the fourth. One was selected in the seventh. And both have had their moments so far this year. Now, Joshua Williams got burned a few times. And there are a couple of times. Yeah, he looked like a rookie. I expect that just like I expected with Trent McDuffie. I would like him to finish the year as the Chiefs' number one corner. And okay. I think he will. So, well, the same answer as me. No, slightly different. Um, they have done nothing but put an incredible amount of faith in Trent McDuffie. It is very rare that Andy and Brett Veach and Spags, to that point, treat a player like this. They traded up for him in the first round, he was immediately a starter. Um, they could have kept veteran players and walked on all of them, even including this week. They let go of another when they could have protected themselves. I know it's about the entire unit, but I think it circles itself around McDuffie. They saw enough. They saw enough coming out of the draft. They saw enough in camp and they saw enough. And I don't know that three quarters he played in the first game. It seems almost bullish by them. But their insistence that he's so good has me confident he will be their best corner. For this game, Nick, you're probably right. One game, because he's coming off the injury for the first time, yeah. Just don't get burnt by, I, by the way, remember, what, like, you want to do another uh, OG segment, Nick, for people who are listening to the show but have been listening to the beginning. You could probably do the same thing we did when we played that other team, and I don't remember which one. You're like, these are, 
are, are these actual wide receivers for the Tampa Bay box is what it was. Or are these people yep. who don't exist in real life or are these postal carriers? It doesn't okay. matter. Insurance do guys, agents. Do you get, yeah, local insurance agents. Do you guys have any idea who's leading the Titans in receiving yards this year? Oh, man. Um, five bucks on the line. Anybody can get five it. Five bucks? Right. Uh, uh, it's not that hard. It's not Eric that Henry. <laughs> That's actually Rushing not and receiving. He's third. Uh, Woods, Woods, right? You don't yep. pay me five bucks. Woods, right? That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't okay. have money anyway. But yes, Robert Woods Sorry. is 256 yards. Hey, what's their rookie doing? Didn't they draft one? Traylon Burks? Is he, does he matter? For 129 yards. Okay, so he's like Sky Moore. Got it. Doesn't, doesn't really factor into their offense. Yeah, uh, Dontrell Hillard is a running back, the backup running back, and he is the second leading receiver on the team with 144 yards. Wait, the second leading receiver is 144 yards? The second leading receiver is barely better than Sky Moore? The equivalent of Tyreek Hill (laughs) in football. (laughs) Tyreek Hill has three games with more receiving yards than that this year. Uh, He has 170 yards in three games. So he has three games in which he has more receiving yards than the second leading receiver for for the Tennessee Titans. They don't even pretend to try and pass the ball. Uh, the last time you brought this up, though, Nick, was the Colts game. And look what happened. We don't talk about that game anymore, Kayla. I thought we put that one behind I us. don't even remember that game. I've decided that, <laughs> I've decided that, that game didn't happen. And I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist moving forward. I don't know what you guys need to do to forget it. Take an edible before dinner, before <laughs> bed tonight. Doesn't matter. Just forget it. That's the better way to, that's the better way to live. Is it legal in your state, Kayla? You live in California. So oh, yeah. You're good. Was it ever illegal? Probably not. It's it's only legal medically here. You uh, The recreational is on the ballot for Tuesday. So I guess we'll have a chance here. Very hey, soon. let's not get political, Cody. <laughs> because I said it was on the ballot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this our go vote? Plug? Yeah, that's right. I mean, just generally speaking, voting is kind of important. So you should do it. So here he goes again. <laughs> All I said was vote, Nick. I didn't say for who or what. Fine, it's a sports podcast, man. That's a fair point. Well, I'll bring it back to sports. Nick, what you said about him not just not being a liability reminded me of Alan Bosley. And remember the Titans? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Brian Gosling. That he, was quote a liability. Where, he was a liability at cornerback. Yes. So that's, I love that line. Never forget, Brian no, Gosling was he's a come, he's big liability at cornerback. He's come a long ways, but people don't forget. Love those early roles, <laughs> keeping them humble. All right, guys, how much will we see of Kadarius Tony against Tennessee? First of all, Eric Bieniemy said Tony is a heck of a player this week, but the team doesn't plan to exhaust him. The expectation to mix him in, make him feel comfortable and confident, but they don't want to rush the kid into anything. Also, Andy Reid said, I love this. He goes, there's one football and a few guys we'd like to get the ball to. He's looking forward to getting him in the mix, but he's not going to learn the offense in one day. So it sounds like not a lot of Tony, but what do we think? Uh, I don't know. Eight, 10 snaps, one touch. I assume that in the first quarter, they'll let him touch the football once. I don't know if it's going to be like a short pass or something designed, but I bet I bet he'll get his hands on the football one time in this game and he'll play like eight to 10 snaps ish. By the way, Eric B me saying someone's a heck of a player. He said that about like 40 players. <laughs> so it's hard for me to, to, to read into that as being the reasoning behind why he's going to play him. But I also don't think that they traded for him to just never use him this year. I think it's more about next year, but I don't think that they thought, 
let's trade for this guy in the middle of the season, then never, ever try to use him. I think they're going to try to figure out what they have at some point this season. So going back to the Niners game and Christian McCaffrey's in the offense and they kind of downplayed what his role would be. They said maybe, you know, 15 plays. We've got a red zone package. Then all of a sudden, first drive of the game, boom, Christian McCaffrey's on the field, getting touches, doing everything, running all over the Chiefs. And I think it was Jeff Schwartz who on Twitter said, you know, it's kind of funny acting like Christian McCaffrey needs time to get acclimated to an offense. They were literally handing him the ball and saying, <laughs> before each play, they're saying, hey, run over here. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a run to the left. Hey, here's a toss play. Here's a sweep. Like these guys, if you, if you simplify things to a certain extent, they can be useful right away if they're skilled players. I get it. Kadarius Tony is not Christian McCaffrey, but what he does well is not something that should take much time to get acclimated to the offense. It may take him two, three months, or maybe even into next year for him to really learn the route tree and, and be doing all these different things across the offense. But in terms of what he does well, good in open space, I, I bet you he catches a, a screenplay. Like they're going to run a screenplay or they'll use him like they use McColl versus the Niners where you're doing these things, these misdirection plays in the red zone where you don't know if it's going to be a run. Is it going to be a pass? Is it going to be one of these little touch pass things? That's where I think Tony is really useful. I don't know how much you're going to see him going downfield on Sunday, but I could totally see him doing a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage. It feels like with him, like we talked about, like with Sky Moore, it's like they, they do kind of have to, it's actually kind of important as much as this trade, like we said about next year, it's actually really important for the next eight weeks to figure out what you have, because that informs what you do. If it turns out you got to steal, you robbed the giants and Tony's the goods, which I'm not banking on, but let's just say happens. Well, then maybe it's easier. Nick, you had asked about Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe it's easier to not pay Juju Smith-Schuster and keep trying to patchwork quilt this thing together for the next few years until you can draft your next superstar wide receiver, right? Maybe you can cheat buy yourself a little bit of time, but you got to kind of know what you have. Otherwise you're going to let like, can he, or this, can he at least be McColl? So that like the Juju, you're not looking for a McColl and Juju replacement. And I think that's what you're looking for. I am a little surprised they've never really used Sky that way, but I, I do assume they'll have something for him, but I don't think that it's going to be all that much this first week. Kayla, I think it's probably grows as the season goes. I like what Pat said this week. He said, when you have competition in the room, it brings out the best in everybody. Um, he said they're looking forward to using the talent in this offense to take it to another level. He said he's bigger than he thought, and he's excited to get him into this culture and team to see what he can do. But I like that about the competition because then people are going to be fighting for that spot and wanting to be out there. Do you think of like uh, Brett Feach? Um, there were a couple of stories about after Tony got here, and Andy Reid essentially confirmed that Brett Feach was talking to him in the pre-draft process and then tried to trade for him earlier mm-hmm. ahead of the draft. And I was I, I was battling between do or do I want to be an optimist right now or a pessimist right now? Because the pessimist in me would be like, all right, man, um, you're too obsessed with him. You're not seeing that he hasn't performed at the NFL level, and you're letting all of these decisions and opinions you had about him in 2018-19 decide that he's worth a third round pick now. You gotta back off. You are way too interested in this player. Like you're not you're not seeing the forest through the trees, right? And so but then the, the, the optimist side would be like, no, they had an idea for how he was going to fit in their offense for the last three years. They still watch him play and think he fits in their offense, and they're immediately going to execute 
the version they thought worked for him. So I think a lot of it is, which road do you want to take? Do you feel like being an optimist today and deciding that that three-year obsession with Kadarius Tony, two-year obsession with Kadarius Tony is a good thing? It means they have got an idea for him or that Brett Veach gave up too much for a guy that they had decided they liked for years. I'm already like, barring him being released this season or this off season, I don't think there is any outcome that would have leave me feeling like the chiefs gave up too much or that that trade was a mistake. I don't think there's anything because it's just a risk. And you understand, and even if it goes yes. poorly, you're like, yeah, hey, you took a chance. I get because it. That's what, that's what I want to see. Every single year, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes playing like this, I want to see you maximizing the chances of him running the best offense in the NFL. And you do that by taking swings at players who you think are really talented and who fit into the offense. And you're going to miss like that's that's just going to happen. You missed on you. You you may have missed on Nicole Hardman. Who knows what will happen with Sky Moore? You may have missed on Clyde Edwards. But if you get one of those right, all it takes is one. And that player gets your offense to the next level, doesn't even have to do it for four years, doesn't have to do it for two years. If he can do it for one season, and in that one season, it pushes your offense to the next level, it pushes your offense over the top, and you win a Super Bowl, it'll be worth it. You're not going to do it every year. You're going to miss more often than you're going to hit, but all it takes is one. We know I'm very high on Brett Veach here. So if he likes this guy, and if he's confident in Tony, then... I am also confident in Tony. It's like there's only two positions that I waver on Veach. Everything else, I'm like, great job. No questions. No notes. Uh, wide receiver and defensive end are the ones I'm like, can we say something? Though, <laughs> can we say something, though, specifically about wide receiver is that we do this thing with player acquisition versus in-game stuff where we attribute everything to Veach and player acquisition and everything to Andy Reid and in-game stuff. Oh, interesting. I mean, let's be real here. Andy Reid, the, the Chiefs aren't trading for Kadarius Tony unless Andy Reid wants him, right? Probably. Brett doesn't come to Andy Reid and say, hey, by the way, we're trading for Kadarius Tony. Hope you can find a spot for him in the offense. He so asks, does those, this guy fit in the offense? They're making those decisions together. And I think in, in the pre-draft process, Andy's probably really involved. In season, I doubt he's watching tape on Kadarius Tony. But going back to before the draft, it wasn't just the Brett Veach was obsessed with him. I'm sure Andy Reid's like, ooh, I like that. I could do some stuff with that. And so you file that away. And then all of a sudden, as your GM, and you realize, okay, this guy might be available, I go back to those conversations I had with Andy Reid a year ago and say, hey, you still want this guy? Because we think we can get him. Excellent point, Nick. Thank you. Do I win that one? Yes. Wait, is it a contest now? <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Killing it. I won the other one. She just didn't say it, Nick. <laughs> um, really quick, this has nothing to do with anything. Does Pat prefer Pat or Patrick? Is it like a Matthew, Matt Stafford thing? Uh, where you're not was, supposed to ever say Matt. You're only supposed to say Matthew. Is it? I would say Pat because I feel like we're friends. It's been years, but his mom once went on a Twitter rant about this. saying oh. it's Patrick. Oh, I so, feel like that's a classic mom answer. His dad is Pat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, look, I don't think I care, and he's not currently listening to this podcast that I'm aware of, so you can probably <laughs> just keep calling him Pat. I think it's one of those, like, when you're that famous, people are going to call you a bunch of different versions of your name, because he might not also like if you were friends if you called him Patty, but it's not that someone's never posted that on the internet or something, right? Him Patty, yeah. Yeah, so it's fine. Patty Mahomes, right? Or Pat. I think Patrick is his mother's preference, 
for what he gets called. I don't think it really matters on, on our end. Okay, just wanted to clear that up. Thank you. Guys, it is time for game predictions. Who's kicking us off? I'll do this. I think I didn't go first the last time because I, I I think the last like four times I've said somebody else, I went first and it wasn't accurate. So I can go first this time. Okay. I want to be really bullish on the Chiefs and just say they're going to win by a million because I this is another team that I definitively think they're better than and so does Las Vegas. But I don't think they're covering the 12 and a half. I think they'll win because of the better team. I think they'll win because they had a buy. Um, and I think that, you know, like Derrick Henry will get his, but it's not going to cost them the game. But in the end, no matter what, it seems like these games are always a little uglier than I think they should be. So I'll take the Chiefs 27 to 21. Okay. Uh, my turn. Okay. I'm, I'm still marveling at this uh, offensive arsenal that Tennessee is currently boasting. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. It's, it's so bad. bad. Making me rethink some of the things I said about the Colts earlier this year. I have stats to that point, but keep going. Okay. Who the hell is Hassan Haskins? None of these people are real wide receivers. <laughs> the Titans like have only thrown the ball 30 plus times once, and that was in week one. The Chiefs have thrown the ball 30 plus times in all seven games this season. When the Titans throw the ball 30 or more times, they are 11 and 12 since 2019. That's fourth worst. And when the Titans throw less than 30 times, they are 26 and seven. Yeah, because if you make them try to play catch up, it's impossible. Exactly. <laughs> they, have, they have six passing touchdowns in seven games. Didn't are you have five in a game this year? <laughs> are you kidding me? How is this possible? Okay. I know we do this. We hype ourselves up for 42 minutes and then we do these game predictions. And with the exception of the Bills game, we're all just like cheats by a million. I don't even know how this one's going to be close. I get it. We do it every week. But also, I think by a million. By a million and I don't think it's going to be close. <laughs> so I'll take the Chiefs 34, Titans 16. Whoa. Yeah. He thinks it's just a Sunday night beatdown. Bad. Okay. Bad team. I still have that, what we talked about at the top in my head about something against the Titans that we have a hang up on. So I have Chiefs 32, Titans either 28 or 21. I'm not sure they're capable of scoring 28, Kayla. So if I were you, I'd go with 21. 21. Okay. Have they scored 32, 28 this year? Titans 21. No, they the most haven't. They've scored 24 twice uh, against the Raiders and the Colts. Okay. Yeah. We'll stick with 21. Two of the league's worst teams. <laughs> That's. Those are the two teams they managed to score 24 against. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even score. They had 300 yards rushing. They didn't even get to 24 against the Texans last week. You know, the Titans have the 17. Okay. They're getting outscored by six points this year, despite being five and two. So. Not great. And we're a better team this year. From top to bottom than we were last year when we played them. Yes, I would agree. I yeah, last so. year. Last year when they played them, that was sort of the final straw before the Chiefs started to put things together. Because remember, then they won two games, but they won ugly in back-to-back -back weeks. Like one of those games was the uh, Jordan Love Packers game, right? Yeah, and they won like 13-7. Mm -hmm. But that was really the last game where I think they kind of were like, okay, back to the drawing board. We got to fix some stuff because they were three and Five. I it's think when they started playing all the rookies. They were like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't keep playing Sorensen and Hitchens and Hughes. Yeah. And instead, what if we played Fenton and Thornhill? And it, like that was the that was probably the catalyst for we're not a good enough football team 
as we are currently constituted, time to do something different. I don't, it's weird. It's weird that the Titans always have their number. I know we started the episode and we can end it this way. Like the lack of buzz for a team. No, no team. No team has consistently beaten the Andy Reid led Chiefs more than the Tennessee Titans. They have been Whoa. the only one who has threatened them at the top of the AFC. They have they have threatened them the most at the top of the AFC. They have beaten them consistently the most. They're a weird, they're a weird team to bother the Chiefs. It shouldn't, they shouldn't as much as they do, but they have consistently. I think we watched it all the way because you remember that Patrick Mahomes run in the AFC title game. I think that it's good that they're five and three because that gets your attention. I think it's good that they kicked your ass last year. That gets your attention. I think it's good that you're coming off a bye because we know Andy Reid performs well after a bye. And I think it's good that they have had your number. All of those things mean that you're not going to treat them like you treated mm-hmm. the Colts. It's easy to overlook the Colts. There was no buzz going into that game. The Colts are not a respectable team. They're not a team that you have history with. This is all different. There's a there's a, a million reasons why you would take this game seriously. Oh, and by the way, it's Sunday night football primetime. So all of those things tell me that if the Chiefs don't play well in this game, it's not going to be because they overlooked them. It'll just be because they didn't execute. But they always execute coming off a of bye week, which just tells me everything points towards the Chiefs having a really good game. Also, I think Mahomes is like 17 and three in primetime games, too. So that's another stat that works in his favor. And when he said that in the press conference, how they weren't ready last year, he had the fire in his eyes. So mm-hmm. he's going to come out. They remember. Flame. Guns a-blazing. I'm just glad I'm going to be able to watch this one in primetime. All right. No, no, no looking for sites that may or may not have questionable legality. <laughs> and on that note, I hope you all enjoy the weekend. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will be back with you on Monday for live game reaction and more.